This is Mike Corey from ESPN, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Welcome in to the Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. We were the very first podcast, by the way, covering the Pirates with us right now. My brother from a different mother, a man that just turned 40 on Tuesday night, 40 years old. Man, I can't believe it, Kyle Barber. You're still alive and kicking. Yeah, as the uh, as Mike Gundy said, I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> but uh, what's going on, guys? Welcome in. Hey, Bubba, what's up, dude? I'm having a good week. Hope you guys are as well. I'm looking forward to hopefully uh, knocking off another nemesis um, for the Pirates. Um, last week we took down USF, of course, and um, we had just beaten them once in our history. That's the case with Navy, one and six all time against the Middies. But uh, ho- hopefully this week um, we'll have something for them. We know one of the things we like to do about this podcast is to honor the uh, former players that we think so much of. And we wish, even though they're getting an extra year this year, we wish we could have a lot of these players like the guests we have on tonight for eight or 10 years, a long time. Maybe they could have two or three graduate degrees, but that's not, unfortunately not reality. And Bubba, I know Kyle always talks about this quarterback a lot on the show and uh, we, we've got him on tonight. Yeah, back in 2011, um, 38, 35 winners up in Annapolis that day and the quarterback who uh, had a tremendous uh, NCAA record-breaking performance, Dominique Davis. Dom, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you on tonight. That win in 2011 was so really cool. And, you know, when you think back to that win, you would never think that that would be the only win we would have. You know, I was just telling you pre-show when I first met you, the very fact that I'm hoping there could be some other Pirates besides you guys that won in 2011 um, because Navy is a great program. We have an utmost respect, obviously, being one of the military academies. But at the same time, we're the Pirates. We have a huge tradition, a rich tradition in football. And where we've been giant killers, we won a lot of huge, huge games in the program history. And um, I just want to know, how did you guys get it done that day? What was it? that you guys did that the other teams are not. I know it's hard to compare different players, different eras, different coaches, but what do you think the secret is to win on Saturday afternoon? Uh, first of all, it's an honor to be on the show with you guys. Uh, Thank you. For one, um, we didn't have any turnovers. That's that's the number one thing you want to do in any level of football is not turn over the ball because especially versus – Navy and their offense, they're going to basically run the ball every play and keep the offense, the opponent's offense off the field. So it's the offense, our job to uh, be efficient every play and try to score every possession. And that's pretty much what we was doing in that game. We was efficient. Every, everything I was, I was throwing the receivers was catching for the most part that uh, first half. And, uh, yeah, we really had to score every possession. And in our defense, they they got a couple of slops, and that that uh, that set the deal for us. Dom, you came out that game and set an NCAA record for consecutive completions. Um, 
how were you so locked in that day? Was it was a lot of it motivation because of what happened the year before? I mean, you were like a man possessed in that first half. Man, to tell you the truth, I I woke up that day like a normal day. I went every did everything. I went about my day just like a normal day. It was just <laughs> just one of those nights where my receivers just was catching everything I was throwing and every everything was just efficient. Every catch was six yards at least because, I mean, most of the completions was, you know, bubble screens or some type of screen, but they were so efficient. They was getting five, six yards each time, and every time they cheated up because they was basically playing one coverage every every play. Uh, every time they cheated up, we was able to throw it behind them. And we were just in that chess match the whole game. And we would get in the red zone and give it to our running back. I saw the running back, Reggie Bullock, at that time, and he was chipping in for us. So it was just a, a chess game back and forth the whole game. I know uh, we was up. I think we was up by, like, 10 or so at halftime. And then or what, at the end of the third, and they had, a like, a punt return or something they took to the house that changed the whole game. And that's what I was saying uh, in the pre-show, uh, that it really takes one play for the whole game to change. We, we had the game in control of the whole game, but that, that one play, now now we're back in a, in, a, in a shootout, basically. And that, that day was very special, like I was saying, to be the only time the Pirates. But we're, we're actually uh, on the rise. We're on the mend. I think that it's uh, maybe a year or two away, but – he never. The one thing I was going to ask you, Dom, is the very fact that these guys have a lot of talent. We just don't have the experience that you guys had at that particular point. Uh, do you think the guys that are so young? I mean, I guess you could break it two ways. You could say they're too inexperienced; they'll be maybe over, like intimidated by Navy. But then again, they're players that they don't know that they're supposed to be scared because it's Navy because they're so young. One thing Lincoln Riley told me when when we was there together that I, I still go by to this day, you won't know until you know. And like you said, they, they don't have that much experience. So the only way to get experience is getting some experience. So I know one thing we, we, we did uh, preparing for Navy uh, in 2011 was prepare for Navy in camp. And week one, I think we didn't see Navy until like week five or six. And we was getting prepared for Navy way before week six. So Navy is just a unique team. You just have to prepare for like early and just know they're going to run the same plays and they're going to run them well. And you just got to be ready for you know the cut blocks and just got to stay patient on offense and you just you got to score when you can score. Dominic, I got knocked off here just a minute ago. I wanted to ask you something else about that 2011 game. Um, obviously, red hot in the first half. Second half kept scoring, but Navy was able to get their offense going. Actually started throwing the ball on us. Um, when they lined up to kick the field goal, which in my mind, you know, I, I, I remember them lining up to kick that field goal. It was to win the game, but it was actually to tie the game. Uh, what was going through your head as they were kicking that field goal to try to tie it to the end of the fourth quarter? Oh, I was sitting on the sideline saying, oh, he's definitely going to miss it. Just, you know, you can almost 
see it out there on the field, the way a player, his body language is, and just the way he was getting ready for the kick. I, I just felt like, and, and we've had too much, we had too much of, too good of a game on offense to not win that game. So I just, I just had that feeling that he was going to miss it. And he, well, I think he hit the left upright and yeah. I'm, yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, glad you were right. I'm glad you were right on that one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, I went 26 for 26 in the first half and the, the very first play in the second half was a pass play to Lance Lewis, and it was incomplete. Yeah, oh, well, I, <laughs> you, you, you kind of just wish the second, the, the first half could have kept going. Halftime screwed you up. Yeah, I didn't. Well, they didn't tell me that you know I was on that street until uh, until halftime before we were oh, they shouldn't have told in the you. locker room. I, I I didn't know at all. Then yeah, when they. The reporter walked up to me and told me that, and everybody else heard it. Yeah, that's we were going crazy in the locker room for the for half of the halftime. They should have never told you, Dom. That's what did it. <laughs> they jinxed you. They jinxed you by telling you. I, I want to break down the Navy game more. Obviously, this is the Pirate preview, but just mm-hmm. just quickly, I want to look back at a couple other games in your career. Um, you've probably been asked about this one 150 times. 2010 Tulsa. Your first game in a pirate jersey, the Hail Mary for, for, for the win. You know, you find Justin Jones in the end zone. Uh, the place goes crazy. What are your memories of that game? Still remember during the week preparing for the Hail Mary. And on, on game day at the time, it was fourth down. I still remember it was fourth down. I still remember in the huddle telling the guys, we can complete this because this, this, we, we practiced it before. And I mean, you got Justin Jones, who's seven feet tall, who's the tallest guy out there. <laughs> it's hard, it's hard not to uh, miss him on the Hail Mary. I'm just glad he, he was the first one to touch it in the sky. <laughs> yeah, that was a, how far, that was a, at least half the field. I mean, it was a long, that was a really long throw, wasn't it? Yeah, I ended, up, I ended up dropping back a little bit to about midfield. So I think it ended up being like a 45-yard throw. So, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah, it was a, and it was a bullet. Rogers, Hail Mary, but, hey, Hail Mary's a Hail Mary. Yeah, and it was a bullet, and he caught it. I mean, it wasn't even close. I remember them reviewing it. Yeah, I think, why are they reviewing this? I mean, it was obvious a catch. Yeah, it's crazy. That was my first game, and I still remember throwing uh, my first touchdown to Lance Lewis, who really just got to ECU a few days yeah. before the game, and he ended up starting and doing everything he did. So, and of course, everybody know who uh, Dwayne Harris is. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just blessed to have those two guys to start off my ECU career. Now, Dave, do you know something unique about Dominique? Um, Dominique's going to be uh, probably the only player, I would think, that to play under uh, Ruffin, McNeil, Lincoln Riley, and guess who else? Do you remember, Dave? Uh, wait a minute. Uh, for, you talking about, um, so that would be 2010 through. Okay, you're not going to get it. Uh, Dominique played uh, under offensive coordinator at Boston College, Steve Logan. Kyle's not going to pitch yeah. you to me because he knew I'd get it right. Yeah, Bubba would get oh, it right. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't Bubba, know that. Bubba, yeah. Bubba would indeed get it right, so that's why I was uh, throwing it to Dave. But uh, 
Yeah, talk about if you if you will. I don't know how many Pirate fans remember that that you were at BC before you came to East Carolina, and when that. Matt Ryan got hurt, you, you you played you played an ACC championship game, didn't you? Yeah, I, uh, I still remember getting recruited by BC. They I actually uh, got recruited late by BC because uh, it was Steve Logan. He was office coordinator, and Jeff Jackinski. He was a new head coach, and he literally just got there and. Talking to Steve Logan for 10 minutes, I was like, oh, yeah, that this is who I want to be coached by. And two weeks before signing day, I committed to Boston College. So I learned a lot my first couple of years with Steve Logan. And it, Matt Ryan, he left after my first year. It was my redshirt freshman year where uh, Chris Crane, he was the starting quarterback. And we was playing Wake Forest. And he got hurt. And I went in and – uh Two weeks later, we played in the ACC championship versus Virginia Tech. And, uh, wow. yeah, they, they got us. But, yeah, Steve Logan was someone who I thought I would be under for my whole career. And then, you know, things change. And coaches come and go. So, but, you know, he's very, he's one guy who I always look back and, and appreciate uh, for increasing my, my mental knowledge. Now, when you, when you when you transferred to East Carolina, did you did you ask, did you contact Coach Logan and ask him anything about ECU? Not not at all. I left I left Boston College. Uh, I went home. My brother and I, East Carolina was the first te- was the first school we called. That's when uh, Skip Holtz he was here. He was there, yeah. and uh, they never answered. So I I called a few other schools. Ended up going to a junior college. And that's when they end up calling back him and Todd Fitch. And I took the visit. And what was really cool on that visit was Todd Fitch let me call the first play. He talked to me uh, the night before and was like, what you want to see the first play of the game? I was like, what What you mean? He was like, I'm going to let you call the play. I was like, I want a bootleg. Fake to the left, roll out to the right. And that he called that, that play. And that's when I knew this was – going to be <laughs> this is going to be something special for me but you know as soon as i get ready to you know come to east carolina they go to usf and that had me a little on the fence should i follow them or should i stay and then rough sign he got hired then the next day him and lincoln they're in my house telling me they still want me to come and that was it was a done deal i'm a, I'm a pirate and we what are very the, happy you were. What was the uh, – obviously, you know, Skip recruiting you to come to East Carolina and Coach Finch, and obviously you hated to see them go to USF. But I would imagine when you met Ruff and, and Lincoln, you, you were probably at ease a little bit with still coming to ECU. Oh, yeah, and especially hearing that they, they're from Texas Tech. So, and if you know college football, Texas Tech oh, yeah. was one of the schools where they put up big numbers. So – yeah, I was I was more concerned on if they wanted me more than me coming there. So they was they wanted me with open arms, and it was it was it was a done deal after that. Awesome. Yeah, Dominique, you talk about Coach Logan and his knowledge of um, just offensive football and everything that he's done there, and uh, mentoring quarterbacks and bringing them along, and having the opportunity to play for him with, with Lincoln Riley and everything that he's done and uh, and is doing out at Oklahoma. Just 
uh, you've had the opportunity to play for two of the best when it comes to, uh, to mentoring quarterbacks. So, so just talk about them, how they're similar, maybe how they're different, uh, but, but they're both uh, just tremendous teachers of the game. I would say uh, both guys are mentally geniuses when it comes to uh, knowing the game and calling plays. Uh, Lincoln, you know, when he got to East Carolina, he was 26 years old. When I was with Steve Logan, he was, you know, in his 50s, 60s. So he was way far ahead uh, in the game than Lincoln. But it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a far margin of who was smarter than who or who did this or who did that. But I would say, I was just with Steve Logan. He was, he taught me everything I knew coming into college football and then going to Lincoln, the way he called plays and the way he can, you know, get people open here and there, like every play, someone's going to be open each play. It was just, that's the difference I would say is Lincoln's play calling and Steve Logan teaching me the game of college football. Yeah. And it's really, it's really just funny to think about Bubba. When, when you think of all the great quarterbacks, you know, Jeff Blake, David Garrard, all, all the all Marcus Crandall, all the great quarterbacks that Logan mm-hmm. tutored at East Carolina. And you got to put Dominique Davis on the list. People don't even think about that, that Logan helped develop Dominique in one, another one of the greatest East Carolina quarterbacks of all time. And people just, it, it's funny that people wouldn't, wouldn't think of that. Yeah, it's a good trivia question for sure. I mean, Lincoln has a good resume too. He has Baker Mayfield, who's a first first overall draft pick. He has Kyler Murray, who's a first overall draft pick, Heisman Trophy winner. Also, Baker Mayfield. Now he has Jalen Hurts, who's a Heisman runner-up, second-round quarterback. So, yeah, he he has a pretty good number of great quarterbacks too. So, and he's still going. So. <laughs> The sky is still the limit for him. Yeah, Lincoln's awesome. Great, great offensive mind. Missed that offense. Love Coach Houston. Think he's finally getting what he wants to do offensively established. But I, I miss the uh, – I don't. I hate to call it an air raid because I don't think Lincoln's was a true air raid. But I just miss that Lincoln-Riley offense. I'll tell you what. If you, if you was part of his, of his system and if you could uh, comprehend everything he's teaching you, you you're going to put up big numbers, yep. as you can see. I was the only one. It was Shane and everybody else who came through ECU that was on the Lincoln Riley. Yeah, those video numbers against North Carolina are are legendary. Fifty-five and seventy in two years in 2013 and and 14, and uh, they'll never be able to live that down. That will always be in the record book, like you, my friend. Oh yeah, <laughs> even even uh, Virginia Tech, they knocked off Virginia Tech too. That was they they had some big. Some big games they knocked off. Yeah, what was your favorite? What was your favorite here, Dom? Was it was it Tulsa? Was it Navy? Was it NC State? Do you have a favorite win? I think the first one that pops in my mind is NC State. Just yeah, that's a good one. Me first getting there and hearing all the fans saying, you know, beat NC State. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't care anybody else on the on the schedule. Beat NC State and just the way the ebbs and flows of the game went and winning the game in overtime and just hearing the fans go crazy. That Yeah, that was 
probably my favorite win right there. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, talking about that game against the Wolfpack that day, um, uh, funny enough, uh, Mike Leach was the color analyst uh, on the broadcast, and we're talking about Lincoln Riley and, and that staff coming from Texas Tech for the most part. And then, and then you had um, just the way that game unfolded with us jumping out to the three-touchdown lead, and you talked about Lance Lewis early on, and uh, those, those state backers, uh, they couldn't stay with Lance on the crossing routes, and um, we are just – and just um, having our way with them early on, and then they made, um, I'm sure, made some adjustments, and then got to be a competitive ball game. And one of the things that really stands out is down at the Boneyard in um, in overtime. I guess what well, we got the ball first, and and you, it looked like you were going to be stopped, and you tried a what like a third or fourth time before you got across the goal line. Oh yeah. I- Little do people know, I shocked myself on that play. I thought I was stopped, and I didn't hear a whistle, so I kept going. And I think somebody helped push me in. I got in. I was like, "Oh snap, we we in! All right, no whistles. Let's go, let's go. Get a stop, B." <laughs> then I remember the very next play, we missed the PAT, and in my brain, I just thought, "Oh my god." We're going to lose this game because of a damn mixed extra point. But then thankfully, Magazoo didn't let that happen. Yeah, I was. we was too still too hyped on the sideline to be a little worried about the field goal. So, we was, the crowd, it was just, it was too emotional in that crowd. It just, the crowd was too loud. It, it was just meant for us to win that game. It was meant for us to win that game. Yeah, no doubt. When Mags picked that ball off, I just that place just lost their minds. It was, it was, it was electric. Oh yeah, I remember I was I, epic, epic. That yeah, I remember I couldn't be at that game. Unfortunately, I had to work, and I got home in time to watch the game. And I remember watching on TV, and I jumped up and down in my living room. And I know that people, if they saw me, would think I'm nuts, but I am nuts. But um. I was just thinking, God, I wish I could have been in Dowdy Ficklin that day. It just really hurt after the game. I was so excited that we beat NC State. And I think that's the thing is that there's uh, great memories like that, you know, that the uh, some of the fan base may not know. Some of the um, – that's one thing, Dominique, that's really hard to fathom is there are students right now, people that we know personally, they've never seen the Pirates have a winning season. They've never seen the big wins like – We've experienced so that's what we're praying for for these guys the ladies that are uh, men and women are students right now is to not only get on first uh, get through this COVID mess um, but also to make the ship and we've got uh, great coaching staff great recruiting um, yeah, I think that the hardest part is we've had five straight losing seasons and it's really hard to be patient when we've had five straight losing seasons oh man it's it's always you know a cycle, I say, where, you know, you're, you're good here, then you're not so good there. But, you know, the table's going to turn, and we got the right coach, and he's bringing in, he's, you know, throwing out the, the right culture. And I'm excited. You just got to be got to be patient. Things like this, it takes time. So, you know, if it, I wish it could happen overnight, but, you know, you just got to just don't, 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 don't give up. Stay, stay a pirate, because <laughs> you appreciate you appreciate the years where they weren't so good. Dom, what you do you see? 
what what do you see when you when you watch East Carolina and, and Holt Nailers? I mean, uh, I'm assuming you you watch the games when you get a chance. Uh, it, how, how would you uh, how would you rate Holton's game, or what do you think he needs to improve on? Uh, honestly, haven't watched any games this season. Okay. Yeah, I'm just I have to keep up uh, on our tracker, but uh, I mean, I only thing I can say right now is shoot, just keep winning. We just won last week, and yep. all you gotta do is win. Thing coach tell you in the pros, just no turnovers, and you'll be you'll be competing for something. Another thing is that defense is uh, getting another thing dumb. That our our defense is starting to be more aggressive. I think, and they're getting more turnovers. You know, where before it was a long period of time. It seemed like we were in such a drought in the previous administration, where we couldn't get a turnover if we bought one for from the referees or bought one. You know. We could get a, a turnover to save our life, um, and now it seems like that's more common. Now it's more as happening, like almost a game every game basis that you'll see a fumble, you'll see an interception. So that's one thing that I'm pleased about is the very fact that with the offense that we have now and that defense, if they can grow up, you know, between now and certainly next year, um, things will be uh, definitely there. They're um, they're on the cusp of being a bull team right now, so it's only a matter of time. And that's the thing, like I said, I have to remind myself all the time about being patient because we've got the right coaches, we've got the right players, but at the same time, they've got to learn the like I was telling you, 54 new players. You got to learn a system, the chemistry. Uh, one question I have wanted to ask you too, Dom, is being a quarterback. Um, that Georgia State game, our offensive line didn't play very well. Um, we've had injuries on the offensive line. We've had new guys that are, they have talent, but they also, how long do you think it takes for an offensive line to really gel? I mean, you're, you've been right behind the offensive line. How long do you think the, to, to get that chemistry between the offensive line and that quarterback? Uh, for one, I would say when one guy goes down, you know, it's the next man up mentality. So that next man up is he has to, go in the game and keep things going like nothing happened. So the chemistry should already be there. It shouldn't be no building chemistry. So it's just a matter of, again, just getting that experience and just sticking together as an offensive line. Cause as a, it's, it's basically offensive line, they're like their own community. They have to stick together the most because if one guy out of those five mess up all of them gonna look bad and it's not gonna be too well for the quarterback so it's all about o-line just being together as a unit through everything and as a whole team that's why the defense is getting more turnovers now because you know when things things are going good things are good but when they're not that's when you're tested the most and that's when you got to stick together and you know all it takes is one play i don't care if you up by 20 or down by 20. It just takes one play and that changes the whole game. So it's just all about, you know, sticking together and looking at the man next to you and just fighting for your brother. Absolutely. Hey, Bubba, Bubba, can we put the Johnny Gardner's comment on Facebook? Johnny's one of regular viewers and listeners, by the way, Dom. He says he's a 91 graduate, fan since 83, 
Dom was involved in two of the three loudest times in Bitcoin. The two discussed, and he was talking about the pit year, the Peach Bowl year, pit in 91. That was uh, Jeff Blake, 91? Yeah. 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 yeah they, okay. I, I, I remember uh, seeing highlights of that game. And uh, I think somebody put up like the top 10 greatest uh, games, ECU games. And they that game was on uh, one of them. But. I mean, yeah, that, that that was a loud moment, but I'll tell you what, uh, NC State 2010 was really loud. Tulsa 2010 was really loud. And I'm going to give you a sleeper one, Dominique. UCF 2011. You remember that game? That was pretty rocking that night, too. Oh, yeah. 20, that was uh, senior night. Yep. Because yep. that game went down to the wire, too. Yeah. That was we a fun game. I, would, I would definitely say NC State 2010 was the loudest because Tulsa – a lot of fans left the game. They didn't expect yeah. for us to uh, execute that Hail Mary. So it was still loud, but not as not as loud as NC State. And definitely uh, not as loud as UCF 2011. So, yeah, NC State, I, I would put that game up against any game in the history of ECU football as far as being the loudest crowd. Definitely, definitely one of the best post-game celebrations ever. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody was in the crowd. All you do is win. Coach Rose yep. was dancing. Yep. It was uh, <laughs> it was awesome. What are you doing now? Right now, I'm just watching baseball, watch, watching the Rays versus the Astros. Well, I mean, in general, not just, <laughs> not just this moment. Oh, oh right now, man, uh, the season's canceled, so I had to find some other things to do outside of, outside of football. Are you playing so. in Canada? In CFL. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, you say that. Okay. Yep. yep. I was going into my sixth year, but uh, yeah, the season got canceled because of the pandemic. So right now, I'm coaching youth football, coaching a lot of quarterbacks right now, and I'm trying to get into acting. I'm doing training for that right now. It's definitely, definitely out of my comfort zone, but something, something to keep me busy until we uh, we have a season next season. Have you well, had your roles yet, or how are you trying to get into acting? Do you have an agent? Have you got any small roles, or, or what? Uh, I played in one background role last week. It was nothing special, but uh, yeah, I'm with the agency right now. As soon as I finish training and I uh, graduate, uh, they'll sponsor me. I'll, I'll be officially sponsored by them. So I'm going through all that stuff, but I can't wait to get back to what I what I love to do. And no doubt, but you'll you'll do very well because you're a competitor, and it takes as someone who's uh, community college and a little bit of uh, I'm sorry, uh, community theater, and then obviously in college with the acting, it it's uh, definitely you're very good. You're coachable, so you have a director that's going to be coaching you, and then you have the fact that you're going to be up against other people, so you're going to be very, you're very competitive. You'll do very well. Oh yeah, it, it really you. does. It really does work hand in hand. There's a lot of Theater and sports, there's a lot of common ground that you'll you probably have already found, uh, for sure. But uh, definitely, how can we find your work uh, if we if uh, you're not obviously in the CFL and you're doing your acting thing? How can we find what you're doing? Uh, as far as my acting, yeah. Uh, whenever I let you know I'm doing a good show, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, well. We'll definitely keep in touch. Where, where and, are you uh, at on social media, Dom? Do, do you have a public Twitter account or anything? 
Uh, yeah, I have a I have a Twitter. It's uh, D underscore Davis ECU, and then uh, my Instagram is D underscore Davis QB six. So I'm I'm mainly on my Instagram. I'm not I'm not too much on Twitter. Twitter is Twitter. A lot of drama. Can be a, yeah, it could be a, it could be a danger zone. So I just <laughs> I just scope on Twitter, but I, I try to connect with most of my fans and my family and stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Sounds good. All right, Dominique, thank you so much, man. Honored to have you on the show. Appreciate it very much. And uh, maybe you can uh, give us some Dominique Davis magic we can have over on Saturday at Dowdy Ficklin at high noon. Um, by the way, the game is on ESPN Plus, but we'll talk about that. ESPN, uh, ESPN, ESPN 2. Yeah, you. Yeah. Two, yeah, 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 I meant to say. I meant to say I said the wrong thing. ESPN 2. Uh, they moved it today, so that's going to be great. All right, Dominique, thanks very much. Appreciate it, and love to have you back on soon. All right, thank you. Go Pirates. Thanks, right, enjoyed it. Good night. All right. Well, the, yeah, the game is on. It was on ESPN+. Plus. Now it's on ESPN2. And uh, certainly a guy that knows a lot about uh, the Pirates. And obviously, uh, Mitch Shipman, Bubba, one of our favorite guests, is back again with us. Yeah, we've spoken with this guy a few times already this season on the inside slant. Uh, now on the Pirate preview to talk about this weekend's matchup with the midshipmen. Uh, welcome back, Pete Medhurst. Pete, we appreciate your time. No problem, guys. Good to be with you guys again. Good to have no you problem. back on. Uh, certainly a big game. High noon on Saturday. 3,500 fans. Uh, we got the announcement today from the American that obviously it's going to be not on Plus, but ESPN2. And obviously we'll hear your call as well. But uh, how are things from the Navy perspective? We enjoyed being, uh, obviously, with with Coach and and some of the players this week and uh, get a chance to learn a little bit about them. But what are your thoughts as the guy that's inside the program? Well, certainly from the last time I, I talked to you guys, um, you know, I think last week was, uh, was a real big step forward for the team. Um, you got so many guys that were out on the defensive side. We were missing five starters. Uh, through the first half, only got one of them back for the second with Kevin Brennan uh, as he returned after sitting out the first half. He was suspended for targeting in the second half of the Air Force game. But when you're missing both your middle linebackers, you're missing your starting nose guard, you're missing uh, both of your safeties, uh, to be where we were at halftime against Temple was a pretty good deal. Uh, and I think offensively the fact that we did it, it, it was almost like we went back to the roots of the triple option uh, last week, simply did it all running. We only threw two passes in the entire game. Uh, we were able to run very successfully with the fullbacks, the slot backs. So certainly last week certainly is a step forward because Temple is a team that's given us fits. And uh, since we've both, you know, been in the American Athletic Conference, they've been very physical. And, you know, it's a team that at times has physically beaten us up. For us to be able to go beat them the way we did, a uh, tremendous uh, positive step. And, and having your quarterback back helps too. I mean, having Dalen Morris back there, um, you know, w made a huge difference because defenses must respect what he can do with his arm. So if you load the box with everybody, he's got the kind of arm that can beat you significantly uh, with the wide receivers and the running backs that we have and the way they catch the football. So uh, Temple gambled. They put, you know, nine, ten guys up there. We got hats on hats, and, and we were able to run the ball very successfully, especially with our fullbacks. Pete, how, uh, how, how's the health of the defense this week? You mentioned uh, all those guys being out last week. Uh, uh, hopefully they'll still be out this week. Well, I, I, Brennan will obviously be back. He'll be able to start uh, at the safety, and he sees 
huge key because he's a young man that just flies around uh, to the football, uh, plays extremely well. Uh, Terrell Adams really stepped forward last week, and I think the, the coaching staff is extremely high on Terrell, sophomore out of Birmingham, Alabama, that started in place uh, you know, of uh, Tama Tulele and uh, played really well. Uh, so if, if Tama is back, uh, I think you'll definitely see Terrell get some snaps. Um, you know, whether, you know, we get our nose guard and, uh, you know, uh, and whether we get Diego Fago back, uh, those questions remain uh, to be seen and probably um, probably are game time decisions uh, coming up on Saturday still uh, for the midshipmen. We, we spoke with um, Temple. Uh, help me out. Who did we speak to from Temple? We spoke with Ryan Wallen from uh, Al's Daily, their 24-7 sports site. Yes, and he mentioned your quarter, the Temple, or excuse me, Navy starting quarterback. I'm terrible with names, Pete, forgive me. Uh, did not play against Air Force because of uh, a, a, condi- a health condition to do with um, elevation. Can, can you explain that exactly, what, what the situation was? Uh, I mean, essentially, you know, it's an illness that, uh, as, as they reported, is not related to uh, COVID-19. Uh, is basically the company line. Uh, and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, he didn't, you know, he wasn't able to, to go uh, is basically the best I can tell you uh, for the Air Force game. The best part was is he was back last week uh, and based off the second half of the way he played against Tulane and obviously the way he conducted the offense last week, um, he's very healthy and, uh, and, and ready to go uh, this week uh, for the mids as uh, they take on uh, East Carolina. But it was nothing to do with altitude because that, that's what we were told and I had never heard of anything like that. Uh, no, uh, just, uh, you know, I mean, again, uh, right now when you've got a situation where, you know, anything that keeps somebody out, especially if it's illness-related, everybody yeah. assumes COVID. Um, but I can assure you it was it was not COVID-related whatsoever, uh, you know, with Dalen. And um, he'll be uh, knock on wood, barring a setback in the next uh, 36 hours, he'll be ready to go on Saturday at noon. Okay. I want to get your chance uh, now to talk about the Pirates, obviously what you know about them and being a conference mate and uh, and how do you think they match up against uh, the midshipmen? Well, I mean, Joe Miller and I both watched the, uh, the the game from last week against South Florida. And I think, you know, as I've told you guys several times, Mike's going to get it going there. And it's sooner rather than later. And I think what you're seeing is it, it's not 100% dedication to it, but it, as Joe and I talk about all the time, in college football now, we're never going to see 50-50 balance. We're never going to see 55-45 balance. But if you can get 40-60 run-to-pass balance, um, you got a chance to do some things. And I think I think you're seeing the Pirates, uh, you know, try to run the ball a little bit more because you can – look, I mean, we know what Holt Nailers can do, but you can't ask Holt Nailers to be Superman, uh, you know, and, and be involved directly with – 60, 65 snaps a game between throwing the ball and running the ball. Yes, we've seen him put up explosive numbers and just obscene numbers in some games. But to win long term, you need to have some semblance of balance. And you can see you can see the running game uh, making great strides uh, more and more weeks here. And, and certainly, you know, with, with Harrison Mitchell, I mean, those, those guys are, are capable backs. Uh, and they've shown you the ability to make explosive plays. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we explain explosive plays as, you know, plays of 12 or 20 yards or more. So they're both capable 
of that. They're both averaging over four yards carry. So if you're trying to run the football, those are the numbers that you're looking for. Uh, those are very positive numbers in today's college football. Uh, so now teams have to honor the run, and that, in effect, makes Holt Naylor's uh, and his passing game better. And, you know, Prohl and uh, and Sneed, those guys can make plays. Uh, Johnson, all very, very capable people uh, in the receiving game. So that makes your offense better. And when your offense can at least make plays, make first downs, it helps your defense stay off the field. And while you're trying to get things together on that side of the ball, uh, your offense can really help you out. And now when you run the ball, you keep it for another minute or two time of possession a game, it makes a huge difference for you. And, you know, as I've told you all all along, I, I, I truly believe in what Mike's doing. I think he's going to eventually get it going there. Uh, and I think we're starting to see some of the fruits of those labor. Last week has to be a huge confidence boost. I mean, South Florida's team's been challenged. I mean, South Florida played some good people the first couple of weeks uh, of the season. So you knew you knew that their film was legit. And, you know, East Carolina, you know, basically went there and just, you know, bum-rushed them. So uh, huge step forward, I think, for ECU. Great confidence booster for the entire roster. Uh, and, look, I mean, when you're still a relatively new staff, like they are, you know, you need games like that to help establish that credibility when they go in the meeting room and say, hey, here's what we're trying to do. And when you do this, these are the kind of results that we can achieve. And that, I think, is the biggest thing for Mike and his staff to be able to have that kind of uh, performance. Uh, it really bodes well in all facets of the program. Pete, watching the, uh, the, the, the Vegas line, the so-called experts, uh, opened the game up. Navy's a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which surprised me. I thought you guys would be a much bigger favorite based on the history of the series. And you guys have two nice wins all the year, Tulane and Temple. Um, and then the, the line flipped. We were a one-point favorite, we being East Carolina. Now it's going back the other direction because of rumors about us having some positive COVID tests. And now Navy's back being a three-point favorite. Uh, were you surprised? I, I don't know if you pay attention to the lines or not. Were you surprised to see the line so close? Because I genuinely thought you guys would be about a touchdown favorite. See, I I think this year, based on our football and pandemic 2020, I think some of the lines have been insane uh, all throughout college football. And I don't know how – I mean, look, I mean, I, I – you know, the last two weeks uh, on our podcast, It's College Football, I have rang the bell for Coastal Carolina, and they have just ching-ching, yeah. ching-ching – uh, both weeks uh, beating Arkansas State, uh, you know, and, and then and obviously for the way they played last night. So, I mean, I, I think some of the lines have been insane. And I, I don't know what the folks in Vegas are thinking. Uh, you know, preparation for a lot of these teams is so different this year. And I just I, – I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I know – look, we've got to we, – it's funny. Joe and I talked about this on our show on the radio tonight. Um you go back and look at those numbers we posted down there. We 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 play well at Dowdy Ficklin. Um, but look at the people we had playing those games. I mean, those were those are some of the best quarterbacks we've ever had here. Those are some of the best running backs, offensive lines. I mean, those were some studs uh that that we had back in those days to put up those kind of numbers. Uh, you know, Joe was kidding me. I know the last time we were there, we were down 17 to 7. And I was in a complete panic during the commercial breaks. Ah, don't worry. You just put up 60-some. And then we scored like 38 <laughs> straight points or something like that at one point. But I was like, I mean, I was, I was in complete panic mode there going, I'm like, Joe, what the heck is going on here? Um, but, you know, it, it's been a good place for us. But I also think it's a case of, 
if you look at the people we were playing with and look at what was happening defensively uh, for those Pirates teams, uh, those were complete mismatches uh, because we had some of the best we've ever had at all of those positions uh, playing in those games. I do not believe the talent disparity is anywhere near that uh, going into this matchup, and that's why I think the odds makers have appropriately uh, kept this, you know, within a field goal pretty much uh, both ways, whichever way. And I think, you know, I don't know if there's enough total money in some of these games. So it doesn't take a lot of money in my mind to move the lines the way they're going. And I think we're seeing that all across college football and even pro football. Without as much money being bet, somebody or a couple people that, you know, put a significant wager on one team or the other can sway the line a little bit. And I think maybe that's what we saw uh, in the middle of the week here. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, what on, on, on you, what are you guys hearing up there? Obviously, down here, there's all kinds of rumors and speculations about who's going to be out Saturday because of COVID. Uh, what's uh, what's sneaking up uh, uh, up in Annapolis? So, what, what kind of news are y'all hearing about East Carolina's COVID situation? Uh, we haven't heard of anything specifically. I mean, as far as uh, you know, we're planning on uh, everybody being there. Uh, and I think that's, you know, oh, well, it's May on the COVID day. I said nothing. <laughs> hey, man, all you need is two positive or two uh, negative tests in a row Thursday and Friday or Wednesday and Thursday. And the whole thing changes. So um, we haven't heard of any specifics. Uh, you know, most teams have done a very good job of keeping that information uh, very close to the vest. Um, it's hard to keep the news of like a Nick Saban testing positive for COVID because when he doesn't show up on Saturday, everybody wants to know where he's at. Um, but, you know, other than that, uh, teams have done a very good job. And our medical people, I was talking to uh, our doctor, Jim Barry, our trainer today. Um, you know, these schools and these trainers and these staffs, these training staffs in particular, have done an amazing job at all of these schools. Uh, dealing with these circumstances, with their athletes practicing and then playing on Saturday. The fact that we've played multiple games is amazing in itself, and it's a true testament to these training staffs and what they've done and to the kids who have understood, look, we've got to be incredibly disciplined if we're going to go out and play on Saturdays. You all are in a mecca for off-campus opportunity. And for your for your team to be playing a fourth game already, and with those kind of potential distractions, it's a testament to your kids and, and the culture that Mike is building there. The fact that they have, for the most part, um, you know, not had the kind of outbreak that costs them uh, playing a game yet or having a game, uh, you know, postponed uh, as we've gotten into this season. And and that's all you can ask of the kids. You can just try to stress to them how important everything is. For us, it's easy. We've got a bubble. Our kids don't leave campus usually during the week at all uh, unless they're doing something specific, uh, you know, for the academy and representing the academy. So we've got an, we've got an easy 4,400-person bubble in Annapolis. In Greenville, it's not that easy, and there are many opportunities for distraction. And the fact that, you know, you guys are going into a fourth game uh, speaks volumes to what the kids uh, and the staff have stressed and obviously – uh, the training staff there at East Carolina have been able to get across to the kids. Absolutely. You make a good point, Pete, with the very fact our conference made of Navy and East Carolinas. And look at the Houstons of the world where they had they didn't even have uh, the, the po testing positive, but the other teams they were playing 
were and and the fact that they had to wait till what was the last week before they finally uh got a start so it's just amazing how and they look good go- too oh yeah yeah i'm not it took them it took them a half to get rolling there for the most part i mean they they turned it over five times and they had some turnovers and penalties early in that game and tulane built a a, a big lead but man I, i'm telling you right now i don't care what anybody says i know he's probably uh, he's he's going to run good enough to be a late first round pick, but Marquez Stevenson probably goes no later uh, than second round because I know he's going to run well at the combine. That guy's an absolute stud, and I don't know how you cover him uh, without minimum two people uh, because you saw what he was able to do in that game. He opened things up uh, for them, and and look, I mean, you know, Tune Tune's a capable guy, and if you can keep him upright uh, and keep people from being in his lap when he throws. Um, that's a group that's going to be very dangerous. What a ball game for them coming up this week with BYU. Yes. Uh, it's I, I think BYU's got two games, this one and Boise State later on. Uh, they win those games. They got shot to run the table and it, and maybe even be the G5 representative uh, in the bowl game. No, so, no they're they in, they ineligible to get the G5 spot because they are not in a G5 conference. Well, that's true. Well, maybe, maybe – as an undefeated, if everybody in the Big Ten beats up on each other and they could get an at large, yeah, they could get could. an at large. You, you know? could get an at large, you could, but that it would be an it would be an incredible story. Hard to believe they were once a national champion back in 1984, and they did it winning the Holiday Bowl against Michigan. Yeah, it shows you how things have changed, and, and people people claim that you know you know when you did away with the BCS system that the Group of Five thing is better, and it's it's BS because because like you said back in '84. BYU won a national championship. That would never happen today. They could go undefeated, and they still wouldn't. Even with the schedule they would have played this year, I truly believe if they would have went undefeated with their original schedule, they still wouldn't let them in the playoffs. No, I agree. Uh, I agree 100%. I mean, uh, think about – I mean, look at what, you know, Central Florida did a couple of years ago. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to – you know, people – it's hard to get people to schedule you and – it's going to be even harder, I think, for people like Central Florida uh, to, to schedule. And I, I applaud any Power 5 team that's willing to schedule anybody from our conference no. because I think our conference, top to bottom, is a headache for a lot of those teams. There's a no, there's nothing to gain for any of those Power 5 teams playing anybody from the American, uh, especially pe- playing people in the upper echelon of the American who've been there for the last three or four years. Nothing to gain for any of those Power 5 teams. I applaud them. For scheduling them, because I think there's a lot of teams that probably go, well, you know, uh, we're not free that day. <laughs> we're booked through 2032 that day. So um, it, it could be, I applaud any of those teams who are willing to uh, shake it up with one of our uh, American Athletic Conference brethren. I think UCF, where they have an advantage, where Cincinnati is, they keep winning. And, you know, somebody like uh, Memphis also may not is there are people who will still want to play UCF for recruiting purposes in Florida, whereas, you know, I don't know that anybody really needs to go to Cincinnati for any recruiting reasons. No, I think it's a good point. Uh, You know, Central Florida, South Florida are always going to be, uh, you know, and certainly while Jeff is trying to rebuild South Florida, everybody's going to be on the phone saying, hey, Jeff, you want to play? (laughs) You know, we'll play you right now. Uh, You need a game next week, next year? Um, You know, because obviously Florida's huge for a lot of these teams. Look, I mean, why wouldn't you schedule SMU in Houston? I mean, uh, yeah, Texas, Texas is still a fertile place, though. It's so funny. I mean, we, we watch what has happened to Texas and Texas A&M and a lot of those schools. And we've seen SMU in Houston, obviously, 
you know, what Tom Herman did while he was at Houston and, and obviously co what Coach Dykes is doing right now at SMU. Um, they're going to be a headache in the state of Texas yep. uh, still for some of those teams right now. And as, until one of those kingpins in the state uh, – and I believe A&M is getting closer. I think Jimbo is getting closer right now. He's probably – he might be ahead of Texas a little bit um, because where's Texas going to go when El Ellinger is their guy, when, he, when he's done at the end of this year? You know, what are they going to do? And I think you look at Jimbo going forward, and I thought the other day was pretty impressive. They overcame a ton of their own uh, adversity in that game against Florida. So uh, I, I'd be trying to schedule teams in Texas. I'd be trying to schedule the Florida teams uh, from our league uh, without question uh, to because you want to get in there and, and get some of those kids. There's no question about it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I look at Texas Tech and, and maybe even somebody like Oklahoma State, you know, SMU gets so much exposure when they're winning. It seems like the city of Dallas really gets behind SMU when they're winning, and the national media gets behind SMU when they're winning because of the old Southwestern Conference days and the death penalty. And I don't know that SMU isn't going to become a recruiting problem for somebody like Texas Tech where if they're not out recruiting them. Yeah, that's a great point because especially with the offense that Coach Dykes runs, you look at the numbers Shane Bouchel is putting up in that offense. I mean, quarterbacks are going to want to go there. Uh, and that's, to me, you look around the state of Texas and you look at some of those teams and you think that they should be doing a little bit better than that, especially with the lure of Texas high school football and what we're told about all of that talent. Uh, how do you, you – they got to keep more of those guys in state uh, right now. And the quarterback play's got to get better at a lot of those places. But you look at the obscene number Shane Bouchel's putting up in that thing – Coach Dykes is going to have no problems attracting quarterbacks. Dallas, you know, area is a great place, a uh, great place to be, uh, both on campus and off there. I mean, we've been there, and it's a it's a fabulous place. It's a great school, uh, so you're getting a, a terrific education uh, as well. And by putting up those kind of numbers, they're going to get the kind of people they want. I, I think Houston's going to be in the same boat. People are going to want to go play for Dana, um, you know, certainly on the offensive side. Um, I mean, you just have a chance to put up those kind of numbers that are going to catch people's eye and scouts' eye who are going to come want to watch you play. So uh, you could do you could do a lot worse uh, than than Central Florida, South Florida, SMU, uh, and uh, and Houston. But I think it also you look at our league, and when you see how regularly some of us have been able to not only compete but beat some of those teams, really tells you how tough our league is, top to bottom. Absolutely. Hey, no doubt. I'm kind of diving into some of the offensive personnel. You talked about the quarterback Morris and how he's back against Temple. And just talk about um, the, the fullbacks. You have two tremendous fullbacks in Carruthers and then also Nelson Smith and then some of the other offensive personnel. And then um, after that, we'll touch on the defensive side a bit. Well, you look, obviously, you look at Smitty and, and Jamel, and, you know, I think what happened last year, perfect testament to, you know, unselfish football players. I mean, Jamel comes in, wins the starting job. Nelson could have pouted, could have quit, and instead continued to work hard. And he looked tremendous the other night against Temple. His footwork in the hole, um, you know, great, beautiful sidestep on the 22-yard uh, touchdown run. You know, you look at you look at competition. That's what you want competition in your practices to produce, the kind of effort that both of those young men gave. Our slots are – really playing well. We knew what we had uh, with Miles Fells and C.J. Williams. We moved Chance Warren to slot. He's been terrific. Carlinos Acey has been very good uh, in what has been asked of him so far 
uh, for this team. You look at our uh, wide receivers, and with Ryan Mitchell back now, with not playing without the cast, he just adds to what is the deepest position. I mean, this is the deepest we've ever had at wide receiver. I mean, we got literally six guys uh, that the coaching staff has uh, the utmost confidence in putting in a game. And not only do they block well in our system, which is usually their first job at Navy as a wide receiver, they'll catch the football. And that, you know, again, uh, that helps our offensive line really coming together, uh, moving Pierce Banbury to center, putting Justin Self out at tackle. Uh, has really this these this move has really been cohesive for the offensive line. They've played uh, better here of late, certainly in the second half of the Tulane game, and then last week they were terrific. Um, so you're hoping that that cohesion continues to build uh, with those guys, uh, because for us, I mean, it all starts right there. I mean, those guys have to be great. We knew what we had with Honaker and Nestorowitz. Those guys are all conference level linemen, um, but you, you didn't know what you had uh, on the other side and at center. And those kids have gradually gotten better week by week here uh, since the mids have gone full contact in practice. And on the defensive side, last year and we played you guys so early, and I guess what game three, yeah. Holton Edwards was still growing accustomed to Donnie Kirkpatrick's new offensive system and the way they wanted to go about things. Um, so this year, much different story there. Assuming he's able to play on Saturday, and uh, we we still were waiting to find that out, but. Um, and just talk about how you see the Navy defense under defense coordinator Brian Newberry matching up with the Pirate O. Well, we've been better. Uh, you know, we, we've been better. You know, the I thought at times against Tulane, especially in the second half. Last week, uh, missing five starters, we had a lot of kids step up and uh, really impress, flash some moments. I mean, Derek Atwaters having to step in at safety. Uh, for Evan Falkman, really stepped up and uh, has shown that we have depth at that position now. Kevin Brennan, as I said, uh, being back is going to help. He's kind of one of the quarterbacks back there on the defensive side. So, you know, with Jackson Perkins up front, you know, Mr. Steady, and, uh, you know, kid that's really started to come on for us is John Marshall at the linebacker spot. Had a big interception in the red zone last week. Young man out of Gonzaga, plays in the WCAC. It's one of the toughest high school leagues in the country. Uh, year in and year out with the DeMathos, the St. John's, the Gonzaga's good councils uh, who produce, uh, you know, major D1 talent. And, and John John has really, really week by week here uh, stepped up and been uh, been really good uh, for us. And, and I think he is going to be a guy that's critical in this game uh, in terms of defending specifically, um, you know, what ECU uh, tries to do. So uh, he's going to be big. Uh, for us, we've had, you know, the nose guard position. Our guys have just been so beat up here. Uh, you know, we've got three really capable uh, nose guards, and all three of them have been hurt at some point, uh, you know, through these first four games. So, you know, how many snaps each one of those guys will get uh, remains to be seen. Clearly, our corners are a strength. Those guys, both McMorris and Kinley, uh, are fantastic uh, players. They're great man cover guys. Cam's got tremendous size. Mikey McMorris was ridiculous in the run game last week, um, you know, from the corner spot. Uh, I don't think you can play the position any better than he did uh, last week against the run. So, you know, I think from, from that standpoint, the people we expect to, you know, to play well have flashed. We've hardly put together the perfect game. I, that's what I love about Brian Newberry. You know, we, we could win a game 67-2, to two, and or 67 to five, you know, give up a field goal and he'd be, uh, you know, wanting to know why we gave up the field goal. But more importantly, that's the philosophy our players play with, too. 
they wouldn't be happy winning 67 to five because they, they they wouldn't want to give up any points. And that's the kind of philosophy that Brian has built on that side of the ball. He wants those guys to strive for perfection uh, each and every week. And as we know in college football, anybody that plays you know defense at all now uh, is is more the exception rather than the rule. If you get a couple of stops a game, man, uh, you're home free uh, in a lot of respects. Uh, because even in the SEC, man, the SECs look like the Big 12 uh, in a couple of uh, games so far uh, this exactly. season. So you get three or four stops a game, that's that's usually doing well uh, in today's brand of college football. And, you know, we're, our group is still slowly coming together. we got a lot of guys playing new roles this year. But uh, Brian Newberry is as good as any defensive coordinator in the country. The work he did with our group last year was exceptional. And I know week by week here we're going to continue to get better on that side of the football. One of the matchups I really have my eye on is the is the one between the, uh, the East Carolina defensive line and the Navy offensive line because East Carolina's defensive line is extremely green, as I'm sure you studied up and, and uh, realized, and uh, very, very talented. They're very um, very promising uh, for the future, but um, this this particular week, especially with Navy's cut blocking and so forth, um, some of their uh, legal nastiness, as I call it, in the trenches. Uh, <laughs> Very interested to see how those young defensive linemen handle that. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Whenever you play us, um, you know, how your defensive front – and it doesn't matter. I mean, we, we've seen people line up in even fronts, odd fronts. We've seen them pinch the center. Uh, you know, we, we've seen them do a lot of different things. There's not a look our offensive staff hasn't seen uh, through the years. So, from that standpoint, you know, it just comes down to execution. And, and, and look, I mean, there are some kids that, that have not experienced – uh, that kind of blocking against them, and it takes them. Uh, it takes them a few plays. It takes them a you know, quarter and a half, uh, sometimes an entire game to get used to that kind of blocking. So uh, I think you bring up a good point there. And, and look, I mean, you know, Mike Mike's got somebody on defensive side now. You know that has seen some option football being at Kennesaw and the Citadel. So it's not going to be totally foreign in terms of how to line up here uh, for ECU, which has been a issue at times. I mean, they, they have come to the line of scrimmage uh, where essentially they had, they didn't really have a clue what was about to come at them. I think this group's going to be a little bit different in terms of being prepared. Uh, they're going to be standing in the right places at the start of the play. It's going to come down to whether guys simply get hat on hat uh, and block people or get off blocks in this situation. I think this is as prepared as an East Carolina team will be in terms of how to, how to line up and, and be ready to play the option. No question with uh, when you're talking about the coaches uh, with at East Carolina, you have uh, Blake Harrell, who obviously was a successor for Newberry, uh, Kennesaw State. Uh, we have Houston knowing about the obviously the option there at uh, the Citadel. Uh, Trip Weaver, who's uh, D backs, he obviously knows about the option. Um, the great thing, though, Pete, that we always bring up is that. It's not the it's not the coaches. All the coaches know about the option. It's the players that have to know about the option and how to stop it. Yeah, you're right, Dave. There's no question about that. And and I mean, I've seen some great football players, uh, guys that are playing in the National Football League right now, play against us, and they look like you know they look like mere mortals uh, at times when they're playing against us. So you know, it, it just, it's a matter of kids executing and, you know, getting a hat on a hat and, and how do you get off blocks? Uh, if you have an athletic lineman, guys that are uh, good with their feet, they can sometimes, you know, jump over a guy 
um, you know, that, that, that tries to cut them. And then all of a sudden they're right there in the hole ready to make a play. So that is, you know, that, that's really what it comes down to and, and how you play it. Are you physical? And I mean, and people, people don't really, you know, we, we associate physicality with offensive line and drive blocking some guy, you know, 16 yards down the field or whatever. But you ask anybody that's ever played against us, they'll tell you we're as physical as anybody we've ever they've ever played because of the way we play. And that's the key for us. Will we play with that kind of maximum effort on every single play that has been a trademark uh, of our program? And again, as I said, you've got a lot of guys on that offensive line for us that are playing new roles this year. And, you know, outside of Honaker and Nestorwood, who've been a part of this thing, um, you know, Justin Self played a little bit last year. Uh, but, you know, Texera and, and Banbury didn't really play a whole lot. So from that standpoint, this is all still new to those guys a little bit, and each game has progressively gotten better and better, and and that's that's obviously what they're shooting for uh, this week is to be better than they were last week against a, a very physical uh, Temple team who's got a great defensive lineman and Archibong. That's a guy – I mean, Temple had, Temple had three – three guys that had played over 40 games already, you know, and this was their first game of this season. That's rare in college football uh, anymore to have guys that have that kind of experience and playing, playing against us. Quenku and Archibong in particular uh, had seen a lot of snaps. So it was good to see us play against a couple of guys like that uh, and play as well as we did. You guys, we got anything else to repeat? That's why I was waiting on Bubba. No, I'm good. Okay, you falling asleep there, Bubba? No, <laughs> I, I was waiting. I was waiting for you to close it out. Okay, all right, Pete. Uh, look forward to actually. I'll, I may run into you, or I'm actually going to be at the game on Saturday. So, uh, thank you so much for you. Always have been good to us since day one. Uh, the podcasts are way early in the couple months. I think in. And uh, good luck to the midshipmen, and uh, we'll see you again very soon. I guess on the inside slant after after this week. You got it. Always be always appreciate being with you guys. Have a good one. All right, Thanks, take Pete. care. Good night. You guys just had to go make that ending awkward. No, I was really waiting for Bubba. I thought Bubba had a question so, or a statement. So make things <laughs> awkward with our old friend Pete there. <laughs> no, I was ready. To, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. Amazingly, uh, not to jinx it, we really haven't had the lag that we've had uh, recently on the show. So great uh, there for the uh, computer. Not to not to jinx it there, Kyle. I want to get you yeah. guys' thoughts on the game. Uh, obviously, Kyle, with a uh, uh, tough matchup, obviously. But uh, how, how confident are you uh, now? I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, if I knew who the hell was playing. I actually felt pretty good about things. Um, I'll tell you this. If we have most all our starters, including Holton, uh, I like our chances. I like our chances for to to pull off a huge, huge win in program uh, in, 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 in program history. I, I, I'll, if we're going to do guess the score, I'm going to do two scores. I'm going to say if we have Holton, <laughs> we, will, we will find a way to finally do the impossible and beat Navy in Greenville for the first time ever. We've only beaten them once, and it was in Maryland. So this would be the first time we ever beat them in Greenville. If we have Holton, we're going to find a way to do it 31 to 28. Uh, without, without Holton, it'll be it'll be Navy 34 and East Carolina 24. 
that's crazy. You said 31, 28, that now I've got to come up with a different score. That was my, <laughs> that was my score because I feel like, um, honestly that with the line, the way it is, I feel like that we actually have to keep them, uh, in check to a certain, in other words, you're not going to stop Navy. It's the, the amount of points and the amount of time and possession that we need to have to, to, uh, we're not going to be putting the, uh, I, I'll be really shocked um, if we put up, we're not going to be putting up video game numbers on this, this group. So that was my score. So I'll tell you what, I'll be different on the, I'll do an audible here. I'll go uh, 35 pirates, 31 Navy. I'll change it up. What about you, Bubba? Uh, give me the uh, midshipmen. Uh, I will go. Let's see. This is no matter who's playing quarterback. Yeah, give me give me Navy no matter what. Um, so, so I'll say Navy um, Navy forty one East Carolina thirty. Not one bit of improvement from the defense. Forty one forty one thirty one forty one thirty one. Not one bit of improvement from the defense. What a shame! What a shame! <laughs> Not one. Well, it depends on how you. Well, yeah, forty two <laughs> last year. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> but hey you know this this game is really it could go you could, like you said you know even if uh holding this here you could actually paint the picture you could have two different ways you could say oh my god it's gonna be the same the same old same old sos that we've had to deal with in recent years and, and against navy they've had our number or you could see that this is one of those odd fluky kind of years you never know with and the pandemic that that might be the what we we might need the pandemic to uh, to make things a little bit crazy where uh, we'll do it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it possible that things are like the twilight zone enough to the, the pandemic? No, I, I don't think not having not having a bunch of players is going to help us, Dave. It's not what I'm talking about. That's all. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying I'm not talking about that specific thing. I'm saying the way this year has been so crazy and outrageous that anything is possible. Like Coach Hughes said, anything is possible. I'm not talking about that we won't have players and that'll help us win. I'm just saying that it's just been one of those weird years that what the normal is and what we the expectations we have, you can expect the unexpected. Well, then I, I, I guess based on that, then uh, East Carolina 73, maybe <laughs> 14. But, but no, it, it would not surprise me to see us win this game Saturday. Um, I I obviously think it's going to be the, the most competitive Navy game that we've had in, in uh, quite some time, I guess, since 2006 when we lost 28-23 up there. Um, but, uh, well, we beat them in 2011. Well, the most competitive loss, obviously. Okay. But <laughs> trying to remember what I was going to say now. But, um, but yeah, I, I just kind of like USF. I'll believe it when I see it. Gotcha. I guess our best well, our best effort besides the win in recent history, if you don't want to go away with no six, I guess would be uh, the one year Rick Smith uh, went up there as DC in in fifteen, uh, where it was like forty two to twenty something, something like that. What was the score of that game? I'm sorry, you said you said the 2015 game. Yeah, it's like forty two twenty four or something. I think forty five twenty four. Okay. They jumped on us um, in the first half, and then we did a pretty good job of slowing them down after that, but it's too little too late. Uh, yeah. 
I just remember that game. Our our defensive backs were on and looked like they were on skates several times, um, trying to take on those perimeter cut blocks. Yeah. All right. Well, the Pirates uh, preview. It looks like we can uh, rest assured that it's going to be interesting, and we uh, we definitely get a win. Would that be greater? What the only thing missing on Saturday will be those 51,000 fans that would, uh, the moment they've been waiting for the first time ever Greenville. But Hey, yeah, I'll tell you what, if, if we find a way to beat Navy Saturday, you will hear people throughout Eastern North Carolina screaming. I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask everybody in Pirate Nation right now, everybody east of I-95, wherever the hell you are, from, from, from the mountains to the coast and all around the world, if the Pirates beat Navy Saturday, I want everybody to go out to their cars and honk their horn for a solid 30 seconds. That would be awesome. And, and then what you can do is uh, video it, and then you can uh, send it to us, and we'll put it up on our social media. That would be, wouldn't that be cool? Absolutely. Everybody honking their horn? Yep. That would be awesome. Hey, I, I don't care what you do. If we beat Navy, that's uh, great with me. All right, guys, any final thoughts before we go and wrap this thing up? Just uh, hopefully uh, – Hopefully things will work out where, where maybe it was false positive. Who the hell knows? And we'll have our uh, our, our full allotment of players Saturday and uh, find a way to uh, to beat Navy and um, get what would be a program defining win of the Mike Houston era, in my opinion. What about you, Bubba? Join us tomorrow night for the Inside Slant, and we'll be joined uh, by Corey Smith to kick things off of Pack Pride. NC State hosting Duke this weekend. Those two teams, uh, first time they've met in quite a while, as they very rarely play. Being, being in, uh, even though they don't have divisions this year, um, uh, being in being in opposite sides of the, of the conference with the Atlantic and Coastal. But um, we'll talk to him about that matchup at seven fifteen. Damian Sordelet, uh, the news in advance in Lynchburg. The four and Liberty Flames going to the Carrier Dome to take on Syracuse. Seven thirty. Jeff Allen of the Nightline Sports Network. And talking about UCF and Memphis, some big AAC matchup. And then we were going to talk to Matt Rectine of the Golden Hurricast at 745, and we may still do so. Um, they were supposed to be hosting number eight Cincinnati. Unfortunately, Cincinnati has 10-plus guys that tested positive with COVID, so that's not going to happen, at least not this weekend. And then um, so we, we may still be joined by Matt, and we'll, we'll probably also have another guest or two um, Still to be determined. Yeah, my understanding, Bubba, Big Daddy from Cincinnati has it too. So uh, that's not good for uh, for the Bearcats. But hey, we'll, uh, I, I guarantee you, Big Big Daddy from Cincinnati has it. <laughs> he certainly probably got something. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, guys. Uh, in fact, I'll leave you one final thing. Josiah filled his back this week. The wide receiver got hurt, I believe, in that UCF game, and he's coming back on Saturday with the Pirates. We need all the offensive weapons. Good to. Uh, hopefully he can have a big game. Uh, he's the guy that I'm keeping an eye on on Saturday for the, them to uh, some play make. We need some uh, playmakers out there uh, like that that could really change the game. All right, uh, appreciate uh, Dominique Davis, former Pirates who beat uh, beat the midshipmen back in 2011 in Annapolis, uh, the only time we've ever beat them. And of course Pete Madhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen, and of course Kyle Barber, Bubba Rosenbaum. I'm Dave Richmond. This has been the Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective. Go Pirates, everybody. Good night.